Moms Without Time podcast. It's all too much and not enough at the same time. Hello and welcome to Moms Without Time podcast, a show where two moms share their own experiences, thoughts, ideas, and tips on all things being a mom. I'm Melissa, mom of two beautiful girls. And I'm Monica, mama of one. Come listen in and be part of our conversation where we discuss the hard stuff, the fun stuff, and the not-so-talked-about stuff. Motherhood is a tremendously rewarding and beautiful journey, and we want to share it with you. So don't stop what you're doing. Just pop those headphones in, get ready to pick up some toys, wash bottles, or start your pump sesh. Whatever you choose, be part of the conversation by listening in, joining us on Instagram and Facebook at Moms Without Time. Be sure to send us a DM if you have any thoughts or questions, and head over to our website, momswithouttime.com, for more information and our everyday resources. Before we get going, we want to go ahead and update you guys on what has been going on with our lives and what's happening today. Yes, today is Millie's one-year birthday party. She turned one yesterday, and today's her birthday party, and I'm stressed out. You're doing amazing. It looks really good. She's (laughs) going to have tons of pictures. She looks beautiful. Um, The family drove in from Houston to Dallas, so we're here in Dallas today. Um, and we're just going to have some fun party with the kids. I, I'm i going to keep it brief, but before I became a mother, I was very adamant about not having a birthday party for a one-year-old. I did talk a lot of crap. Um, and I'm so I, I, was, about I was a little offended about it, too. I asked, so do you have any plans? And this is when you were pregnant. I think like, I do you have any plans about the first-year party? It's so, uh, you know, so... Awesome. I love to celebrate. So big and, yeah. and Monica was like, I'm not going to have a party. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> you better have a party for my niece. I remember feeling like, why am I getting attacked? This baby hasn't been born yet. And I, even if I did have a party, it's so long from now. Literally, time has flown by and I'm stressed out of my life right now because small things that get forgotten are being done yeah. last minute. But, yeah. but I just, I feel like it doesn't have to be anything big, you know, just celebrating the, their first year of life. Yeah. Such a milestone, like, such a good way to just celebrate what God has given us, you yeah. know. And aside from all the money that you spend on, like, the cakes and the food and the decoration, I'm really happy to see Millie hang out with her cousins. Mm-hmm. So this is, like, honestly an excuse to yeah. come together and have her see the family she doesn't see all the time, which is my family from Houston. Yeah. So I'm actually glad. So that's, a, that's also another reason why we named this Moms Without Time, because we'll be here literally <laughs> recording this podcast on the day of Millie's party. But we're trying to squeeze it in. We have no time. So yeah. the little time that we get. We don't know what our kids are doing, but hopefully they're having right. fun. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And talking about going into that, um, I'm pretty sure we're feeling a little stressed about the fact that we are doing a party and our kids need to sleep. Yeah. And I have the anxiety of, like, is Millie going to sleep just enough time to wake up on time for her birthday party? Or is she going to sleep too little? And she's going to be cranky at her birthday party. I know. The naps are, like, so important. And then I'm just, like, Juliet's in a whole different place. Is she going to have her nap here, you know? Yeah. Do we need to go drive around? But so we'll see. We're going to play everything by ear and try our best today. But that's an awesome way to jump into our topic. Um, but before we do, uh, we want to mention a very important um, disclaimer to you guys. 
uh, we know that there's no manual on how to care for your baby. Um, there's no one way, there's no right way, not a wrong way um, to care for them. So when, when we care for them, we always want to come with love, respect, and understanding for them. Um, and we just want to make sure that you know that this information is solely on our own, our own experiences, our own research, and by no means are we saying that what we are telling you is the best way or what you experience or what you're doing is the wrong way. So we're coming out of love, and we want to make sure that you take that information in just that same way. Exactly. Please feel free to take in um, what you think you need to based on your culture, your lifestyle, and your belief system. Uh, most importantly, even after hearing all of this information, make sure that you always follow your child's needs, follow your mommy gut, your intuition, and always do your own research. Yes. I feel like baby sleep is such a controversial topic. Um, they People are in on one end of the spectrum or the other one, and yeah. you'll hear so many things on Instagram and all these pages about it, but always just follow what you feel is right in your heart. And we are not a podcast where we are dividing or creating a boundary. We just want to make sure that we share what we know and you take what feels right for you. Yeah. So what are some misconceptions about baby sleep that we had early on when we became mothers? I think for me, um, I always just thought babies would just sleep. Yeah. Like, I, I really didn't know all these things about sleep time. I mean, maybe some of the fussy signals and things, but for the most part, it's like, oh, when they're ready to sleep, they're, you know, just go put them down and they'll go to sleep. Because I had seen some moms kind of be like that, and um, I guess the only really examples that I had was uh, my nephews, Mm -hmm. but I was younger. I was like 16 when they were babies, Um, so it's not like I really paid attention, you know? So I don't, I, I, I try to go back and think, what did my sister do? Um, and I really don't remember, but I remember my nephews just knocking out, yeah. you know, yeah. like really, they were just no. sleep anywhere. They were really great sleepers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I thought my babies would do, and yeah. they are nothing like that. Yeah, so. 100%. So mine is the pacifiers. So I, from the little research that I did, because I didn't do a lot of research for myself, <laughs> but the little research that I did was a lot about pacifiers, removing the pacifiers, my kids having hard time getting the pacifier and taking it away so I always just had the fear of like if I end up giving the pacifier to my child that they that that would ruin her sleep because if I didn't have one available or if it was time for us to take it away that that I would never get any sleep back so I had that misconception but mostly pacifiers now as far as like sleep sleep in general I think I was the same I don't I can't remember a day that I've ever like babysat a baby that needed to be put to sleep because I think I just always saw babies at parties Mm -hmm. they were just like sleeping there in their stroller or on a chair you know and I really thought that that's how easy it was going to be I'd go to this birthday party just lay her there and just leave her there and she'd be okay but that's also not how it is if only it really actually was that way but yeah no babies are much more complicated than you think but they also aren't they give us so many clues, right? So we'll talk about that. And also we overthink it a little too much, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I think that also, like, there's a kind of like a balance between what we were seeing before we were moms and then also, like, what we're experiencing as yeah. when we're moms, you know? Yeah, and I think also, like, our, our um, 
just the way we were raised and the way we are raising our children and our kids is slightly different. Um, not that one way is better than the other, but it's, it really is just different. Yeah. You know, maybe as a society, there's a reason for that, but it's not the same, you know. So yeah, those are some of our misconceptions. We want to talk about uh, safe sleep practices. The American Academy of Pediatrics has um, some practices that you need to follow in order to, the most important thing is to decrease the incidence of SIDS. Um, if you don't know what SIDS is, it's the sudden infant death syndrome, and it sounds so scary because it, it truly is, um, but there are some things that you can do that have been proven to at least um, decrease the chances of it happening. So we'll talk about some of these and um, talk about what we did, if we did follow these or not. Um, so the first one is back to sleep for every sleep. This is a major one. Um, every time that you put your baby down for a nap or for bedtime, you want to place them on their back. So one of the things that they do say is that if they roll on their own onto their tummy, then that's perfectly fine. But just don't put them on right. their tummy. Right. So, so, so I want to. I just want to talking about that very briefly. I remember um, my mother-in-law telling me a couple days, and like I think eight days after Millie's being born, she was like, "Just put her on her belly." That's what I used to do. No. And I was like, oh, gosh. I it's, it's so hard to tell. Um, I don't want to say the older generation, but I guess like that we are taught to do things differently because they always come with the mindset of like my kids are fine you guys are alive so like we get it but like we also want to follow research yeah. too and i don't know if if you hear something and you don't follow it if, if something happens it's like oh my gosh you know so i will say that um for most, maybe like 98% of the time, I did put Juliet down on her back. There were some times that I put her on her side, but I was always awake during that time myself and doing something. Yeah. Yeah. So I was watching her, and I'm not saying to do that. Um, that's just something that I did. I didn't always 100% put her on her back. Yeah. She loves sleeping on her side. I never put her on her tummy, though. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, especially because uh, one of the things – what happens with a lot of babies is they have reflux. Mm -hmm. And so you think if they start choking on their own spit or milk or whatever and they're spitting it up in their sleep, like they're going to choke on their back. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually proven that that, that won't happen. Um, babies are really good at turning their heads yes. um, when they're spitting up on their backs. And um, it's not, it's safer to put them on their back even if they have reflux. So that's always a fear, right? Yeah. Because Juliet, oh my gosh, she was a projectile spitter. Like, yeah. I have pictures. I don't know, maybe I shouldn't even post them. I have pictures of her her when she would spit up, and it was sometimes during her sleep, too. Just projectile, just flying across, and it was a lot. Uh, even our pediatrician was, like, impressed, you know. So, um, she was never diagnosed with reflux, but she was just, like, I guess a really happy spitter, and we're out of it. But still, place them on the back. So, so that's number one. Uh, number two is use a firm surface. So you want to do crib, bassinet. You can even do your bed. Um, this one's a little hard because, like, for example, I have a Tempur-Pedic style, mm -hmm. you know, like the foam mattresses. Yeah, and too soft. Yeah, so they, they, they say if that, that bed is, like, 
you sink into it yourself, mm-hmm. the baby mm-hmm. can do just as easily sink into yeah. it. And if, if your baby does end up bullying at mm-hmm. night without, you know, you knowing, there's no, like, space for air to, exactly. to go through. Yeah. If yeah. they roll on their side or on their tummy and their head is pushed in a little bit, then um, that creates problems with their breathing, too. Mm-hmm. So always use a firm sleep surface. Um, breastfeeding is recommended. Uh, that's number three. That's the, one of the recommendations um, from the AAP is um, whether you're breastfeeding through nursing or through pumping, um, they do say that that decreases chance of risk of SIDS. I don't know why. I'm sure there's more research behind that, but there has been a correlation to uh, breastfeeding um, being more, I guess, better. But um, room sharing. Um, is recommended. So they do want you to at least have the baby in the same room with you. Um, they definitely don't want you bed sharing, um, but if you can room share with the baby being in their own space, in their, in their crib or their bassinet, um, if they are on the bed with you, make sure that you have no covers, mm-hmm. um, no pillows, mm-hmm. no blankets around them, and that they have their own space. Right. So that is so hard. It is really hard, but the, but the good thing is that a lot of the bassinets nowadays, well, I mean, I don't know, back then, like, I never even researched back then, but the bassinets now, like, there's so many options, mm-hmm. and then there's the ones that, like, will come to you, the and then will kind ones. of sit over your bed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so that you can almost, like, be hugging your baby, yeah. and then there's them, the ones that, like, kind of have a little, uh, the wall kind of lifts down, so mm-hmm. where you can kind of... Holding your baby and patting your baby as they do it. You just roll over and pat their little bones. Yeah. But so. yeah. And if um, if you do want to um, transfer them to their own room, then at least wait six months to do that. Yes. So I actually think I moved Juliet to her own uh, room at five months. Yeah. Actually, I'm 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 lying because I didn't move her to her room. She kicked us out of our. Yeah, she was in her your room. She was in our room. She, uh, my husband and I both snore really loud. And Very loud. Like, like we snore so loud. And she hates it. She hates it. And so, really, she was not sleeping well. She was waking up every um, sleep cycle and um, every one to two hours. And so, I decided, you know what, let me go sleep in the living room. And um, my husband ended up joining me over there. We, we made our, a bed in the living room because she literally yeah. kicked us out of our room and she slept better. She yeah. slept so much better at, at five months. So and, and that, me and Victor, well, Victor does snore occasionally if he's laying on his back. Mm-hmm. But normally that wasn't why we moved it. Millie moved it to her room at four months. Because mm-hmm. I did find it, find it that when we walked in, it would mm-hmm. disturb her sleep and she would wake up. Yeah. So we just stopped walking in. We were like, she needs to be in her own room. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, they do recommend at least six months if you can hold out. Um, like we've been saying, use your use your mama gut on that. Um, and then we have some other ones. All right. So the next one: keep soft objects and loose bedding away from the infant's sleep area. Mm-hmm. So kind of the same way of like putting your baby to sleep in a firm surface. We don't want anything around them that could uh, create that barrier mm-hmm. from between their face mm-hmm. and the air and so another thing too is that if they're rolling around yeah. onto that to, you know to that bear that could also mm-hmm. cause you know, so even in their cribs nothing um this includes the um 
those side things that people put on the, the bumpers. The bumpers. Yeah, yeah, don't use the bumpers in there. Blankets. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes I wouldn't necessarily say, but sometimes cast tires come with little, like the little the blankets. And, yeah. And the little, yeah, the blankets yeah. that might be too long for a newborn specifically mm -hmm. because they that may get trapped on top yeah. of the baby. And they don't even know how to grab and pull away. Right. So. And if they're being swaddled, even even, even more so. Yeah. so. Uh, consider offering a pass car at nap, nap time and bedtime. So I definitely had a hard time accepting that this was going to happen. This mommy had gotten a pass car right at the beginning, like eight hours in. Mm -hmm. um, but it's fine. It's it's great. And it's helped her sleep. So I don't know why I'm still complaining. <laughs> um, but it does help. It does help with bedtime and nap time. Not only does it help to soothe, but it helps yeah. with reflux. Yeah, I, I, I really feel like society has placed such a negative view on pacifiers. Yeah. Like people will talk about a child if they still have a pacifier. And, of course, we know that it's bad for their teeth when they get older. Yeah. But we're talking about newborns and, you know, three to six-month-olds. Like, it is such a good tool to use to help them during sleep. And, you know, it is proven that it decreases the risk of SIDS as well. Yes. So that's why it's one of the um, recommendations to offer a pacifier. Don't feel bad if you offer your newborn don't, pacifier. Don't be like me. I've internalized that negative stigma, and I still can't get over it. Millie's like one years old. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't yeah. Care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then avoid overheating layers. Use a fan in the room to circulate air. I had this big issue with that because in our house, we don't use the AC unless we really, really need to. Not because we're cheap, <laughs> but just because we don't, we, you know, we don't feel the yeah. need to, to have the AC on. We, we don't get, like, like hot very easily. So when we, Millie was sleeping with us, I always, you know, the hormones, and I was, like, always sweating. I would wake oh, up, yeah, and I'm like, is she, is she okay? Is she fine? And Victor would say, well, I'm cold, yeah. you know, and be like, well, how is she doing? You know, yeah. so we kind of have very different views on what it felt like in the room. It was it perfect for her? And I, I feel like this is such a hard one to nail down. Yeah. Because um, you'll hear in the hospital that they'll say, like, if mom's cold, baby's cold. If mom's hot, baby's mm -hmm. hot. And it's like, I'm always cold. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. if I'm always cold, I'm going to overdress her, yes. you know? And some babies run hot, you know? So it's like kind of a hard one to nail down and know, like, how many layers should I be putting on my baby? And But another suggestion that they say is dress yourself mm -hmm. and then add a layer to your baby. So it just, it depends. And then um, one thing I do want to add is that the temperature, recommend, recommended temperature would be between 68 degrees and 72 degrees. Yes. I remember literally having it at 72 degrees. And I was like, I think that's the max, and that's where I'm going to go with, because 68 to me would be too much. So, but it, when, one thing that we want to mention with layers is, like, um, also the type of material they're using mm -hmm. in the, the season, you know? Yeah. So, like, mm -hmm. I finally learned that when Lily was born winter time and so it was a little more fresh mm -hmm. coming the, the air coming into the house and so I did put on uh, like warmer clothing I didn't use all of this thin stuff at the beginning yeah. and then as summer came in then I would use a thinner uh, swaddle mm -hmm. and the thinner pajamas and I think that also helps to making sure. sure that you're in the same way dressing appropriately in the season but yeah to sleep. yeah the, I think the most important part of this is not letting them overheat so you can always even feel their little chest you know, when you're doing a diaper change or in the middle of the night. Oh, I remember diaper changes on mommy. Sometimes I look back at those times and I'm like, ah, oh, such sweet moments. No, but it's sweet moments, but you took away my sweet moments. Well, 
for me, just you know, FYI, like it was a time where she would sleep in my arm. Yeah. You know what I mean? The diaper change definitely no. The pumping definitely no. Yeah. It was just like the fact that she finally fell asleep in my arm. Again. So sweet. Like a little burrito. I know. Yeah. So cute. I do miss that. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and, and, and in this part with the overheating, remember that a lot of times we swaddle the babies too, and that's considered a layer. Yes. So oh, yes. consider that a layer when, when you're trying to think of how you're going to touch it. All right, so we want to talk about the newborn stage of sleep and what we wish we knew and what we learned from, from now, from then. Um, for newborns, so we always go into um, babies thinking like, oh my gosh, there's so much to do. So like, you know, put them on a schedule. But right. for newborns, there is no schedule to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, follow their leads always. Um, basically, they will sleep all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one time, I feel like Maya, I swear she slept like 22 hours. I'm not even kidding. Like, I feel like she literally slept all day, slept during nursing just to sleep, you know? Um, So basically, uh, they will sleep, wake up to eat, and then go back to sleep. That's basically, maybe have a little bit of playtime or like some alert time, but for the most part, yeah, just... And when we say no schedule, there is no schedule like naturally for the baby because, of course, we have the whole... You have to wake up your baby and feed them, every, you know, mm. so often. So, of course, we have our own, like, we need a nurse, this baby. They can't just go on sleeping all day. Okay, yeah. But their natural state is to not have a schedule. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. So, you don't, you don't want to, like, force them to stay awake for anything or um, say, you're going to eat at 3 o'clock right. and make them wait to eat. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. no, follow their lead, but mm-hmm. also do your interventions that you need to right. do. Um, especially when they're first born um, and they, they do lose, oh my gosh, that's a big thing. A lot of moms don't know that their babies will lose weight, uh, up to 10%, over 10%, I think is when they start to look into things, what's going on. But um, they do lose some of their weight in that first week. And a lot of times, and it's the worst, the worst timing, obviously, because yeah. if you're nursing, you're thinking, my gosh, I'm not feeding them enough. I'm not producing enough I'm not milk. Producing enough milk <laughs> and they're not eating and they're losing weight. And, and even, if, even if you know your baby's going to lose to 10%, it still gives you a little bit of anxiety oh because nobody yes. wants to hear they're declining. Yes, for sure. So, so that's why true. that first week they tell you, wake them up, feed them every three hours. It's not just for the baby, but it's also for your supply. You need to feed them every three hours. So if, if they have not, and it's been three hours since they ate, we need to wake them up. Yeah. And then they'll go back to sleep. Then they'll go back to sleep, yeah. And that's the schedule for the baby. Yeah, so, yeah. perfectly. So uh, they also have, they do have day and night confusion. Um, and so what I always tried to do was make sure that the day was bright, that the lights were on, that the windows were open, that there was noise being made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at night, quiet yeah. time, minimal light. Um, I feel like that helped us. Um, not never really have day night confusion. I, I, with my kids, I never really did. Um, but I made it a point to not let it be party time at night. You know, yeah. I know that you know some people will turn on lights or watch TV. Like none of that for us. Yeah. You know, because no, the same. Yeah. I, I see that sometimes now, like uh, babies who are like up at one, two in the morning, mm-hmm. and then like they're playing with a the toy. And I'm yeah. Like, I don't 
I wouldn't want that for me. For you, like, yeah. if I had to wake up in the middle and I just to maybe, like, go to the restroom, mm-hmm. maybe I need some water, I'd want to make it as dark as possible yeah. so that I could stay drowsy enough to fall back asleep. Exactly. You don't want to get stimulated. Yeah. And with, at that age, everything stimulates them. Yeah. Noise, mm-hmm. um, lights, um, interaction. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, like, ignore your baby. Like, it's still, like, like I was saying earlier, it's such a sweet time, the middle of the night, to me. Middle of the night feedings, which is such a bonding time for me, yeah. you know. Um, so you still want to have the interaction. I mean, you're going to be changing their diaper and feeding them, but you want to minimize as much as possible, and that helps with the day and night confusion. Yeah. Because it's really hard on some on some uh, moms or parents um, that their kids, will, their babies will stay up for a few hours, and it's like, what's going on? Um, so just try to help them. And then also, like, kind of like a side thing that happened is that when we were implementing this for Millie, it helped me get ready for the day. Because if I was to, to do, you know, wake her up and be, you know, super alert in the middle of the night, then I wouldn't want to be getting up at 6, 7, yeah. 8 in the morning to mm-hmm. start my day. But it, it did motivate me to be like, okay, me and Millie are not going to start our day. And this is what I'm going to do is open up the blinds and show yeah. her that it's daylight. So yeah. it really did help yeah. me as well. Yeah. We're sleep deprived, so. Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. That was so hard, so hard to sleep. Okay, um, another thing are the sleepy cues, mm-hmm. baby sleepy cues. Um, did you notice these? Yes. Okay, so I was really nervous thinking, like, I'm not going to, there's a video, I think, on Instagram where people put, like, post a picture of a baby, like, can you guess the sleepy cues? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I could not guess not one. But then I realized that I'm not those babies' moms, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. or, those babies' mom. So whenever Millie arrived and I could see it in her face, I I clearly understood it. Yeah. And it was very easy for me to kind of like I, I I still doubted myself at the beginning, but it was always that gut feeling of like, no, I'm pretty sure that she's telling me she's hungry. And yeah. now mm-hmm. I watch the videos and I'm like, oh my gosh, she was clearly hungry. Yeah, yeah. There's an awesome video. I think I don't remember what uh, show it was on. It was like some mm-hmm. you know talk show and. There, I don't know if I ever showed you the video, but basically, as a newborn, I think up until three months, they have a distinct cry. Oh, have you seen that yeah, one? Yeah, where, I think so. Where depending on how the the sound that they make, yes. it, it tells you whether they're uncomfortable, which is like being wet or dirty, yes. whether they're sleepy, whether they're hungry. We gotta share that because uh, that one helped me because I could hear it. I can yeah, hear there, it. Yeah, there's def- I think there's a like a YouTube video available yeah. that we can probably. But yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, I, I will say though. I mean, I don't know if I got it as much as mm-hmm. maybe because I don't know if you were watching this with Maya or you watching this with Juliet. Maya with Millie, I was just like, I'm clueless. It's too I, much. I, yeah, I waited until Millie's cry was a little more yeah obvious for me. Yeah, so we'll we'll try to find it so you guys can see. I, th- I thought it was awesome, and it really with Maya it worked. I was like, oh, I know what cry that is. Yeah. You know? Um, but either, even even without the video, you'll learn your baby's cry, too. Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. You can tell. Um, so some of the sleepy, sleepy cues early, um, this is when you know that they're about to be, you should you should probably start getting them ready, mm-hmm. doing your routine. Mm-hmm. So early signs, these are when they're getting tired, they have blank stares. This is for newborns up to, you know. Until now. Still, still does, does the same think, thing. So yeah. blank stares, their eyebrows do get a little bit red. Um, this still happens yeah, right now. Yeah. yeah, and they start looking away from you, so they're not they're not as engaged with you, and they're just like a little out of it, just you know the blank stares yeah. and that. So um, they're ready when they're ready. Yeah. They get really fussy, mm-hmm. so they'll start kind of doing the little 
wine mm -hmm. here and there. Uh, they have big yawns. Mm -hmm. I mean, the ones that, like, it's so cute. Those are, like, the cutest ones. They're just, like, stretching yes. out, looking to the side, big yawn. And then the the red eye, no, no they, the rub red, they rub their eyes, and then their the red eyebrows yeah. become a little more yeah. evident. Yeah. If you miss it at the beginning, it just, it continues to flare yeah. up until. And then because they're rubbing their eyes. And they're rubbing their eyes a lot. So at this point, they're not even engaged at all with yeah. their, what you're doing with them. They're not paying attention. They're, they're ready. Yeah. So if you if you follow their sleepy cues from the early uh, stage of the sleepy cues mm -hmm. to the ready, you should have, during the early, gotten the routine going by the time that they're at the ready stage, this is when you're actually putting them down. Yeah. When you follow this, I'm telling you, their baby, their baby will go down so easily. Yeah. Like my babies have never been like the type to where we have to walk for hours or or even longer than 20 minutes. Like honestly, like maybe at the beginning when we really did this and they're you know we go in five to ten minutes yeah. and they go just right down. Yeah. You know, even now, um, Juliet is about to be 15 months. We still follow the wake windows. We look for her cues, and mm -hmm. she goes down pretty easily yeah. um, for naps and for bedtime. Yeah. So, once you get to the late stage, though, oh, that's that's where your anxiety kicks in because mm -hmm. they're overtired, overstimulated. Mm -hmm. They have not, they don't want anything to do with you. Mm -hmm. They're screaming. Mm -hmm. Their body kind of gets rigid, and they kind of get tight. Mm -hmm. Um, they push away from you. It seems like they're fighting the routine, yeah. and if you get to this point unknowingly, you might even kind of consider, are we really tired? Because they're fighting they're me to get sleep, into yeah. the routine, yeah. and they're fighting to be put to sleep. So it's, it's going to take much longer yeah. than the 20 minutes. It, it's to harder to get them to sleep if you're at this stage. That's why if you do it, like, on time, mm -hmm. it's, like, such a charm. But then when once you get to the late stage of the, sleepy, of the sleepiness, they fight it. Yeah. And I, I will say, honestly, like, I got a, I feel like looking back, I was definitely at that stage at the beginning a lot mm -hmm. more. Well, maybe not at the beginning, but once Millie turned around, like, two to three months, mm -hmm. and I was trying to implement, like, let's her, let, let her have more uh, nap times in her bassinet, which I hadn't been doing at the beginning. She was sleeping on my arms. Mm -hmm. And that's when I kind of had that where, like, oh, I think I waited too long because now she is really fussy and yeah. she is pushing away from me. Yeah. and Or she's pushing to get comfortable, but she's just not finding that yeah. spot. So, yeah, I, I remember looking back and like, ooh, that yeah. was bending. <laughs> that's, that's another thing that you hear, like the generation differences is yeah. like, let let them get oh, as tired yeah. as possible yeah. and they'll just go right to sleep. And it's like, no, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't happen unless it's like hours later, you know, like yeah. really, really just like dead tired. But yeah, so um, those are some of the sleepy cues to follow. Um, we can... Uh, like post some some pictures and videos of what that looks like too. Yeah. Um. I do. I did want to share. I think we wanted to talk about like different ways that you could hold your baby, um, or different ways to get them to sleep. Um. Newborns crave body contact. Yes. You know they just came out of the womb. They smell you. They only mm -hmm. know you. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they don't want anything else but you. Yeah. You're. They're your. You're their safe place. Mm -hmm. So don't feel bad about holding your babies for naps, you know, um, we hear so much about, like, put them down, they're going to become arm babies, they're only going to want to sleep with you, it's, there's nothing wrong, especially as newborns, cuddle those babies, like, they're never going to be that age again, you know? If 
Yeah, I think that I remember holding Millie and feeling guilty, and I look back and I'm like, I'm so glad that even if I felt guilty, that I still did it. Yeah. Because she she knows mom is her mm-hmm. safe space. Yeah. And, and it honestly it helped me as a mom to understand her more early on because I was having that body contact yeah. with her as well. And I think mm-hmm. that a lot of us don't think of that. Like yeah. it is helping her, it is her safe space, but it's also helping us as yes. get that bonding. Yeah, yeah, they release our own little endorphins from holding yeah. them, you know. So um, I, you want there's different ways you can do it. You can just hold them in the arms. You can wear them wearing them if you want to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. I think you did this more than I ever did. I think Millie was still a couple of weeks old when I got my my uh, baby, the wrap. the wrap, and then I would wear her all the time. Yeah, I don't really wear it, my baby. It, 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 even now, Millie is a year old, and mm-hmm. she will still be inside the the carrier mm-hmm. if we go and shop, and she does. So no, my kids don't like to be warm, but that's probably because I never really, I'm not a big Baby wear. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Makes sense. Everybody's different. And then also some babies just might hate it. Yeah. But you can still try that way and see yeah. if that way is something that you guys That way you don't feel tied down to like yeah. sitting in one space and rocking. Um, but I will say, even though you can hold your baby as much as you want, mm-hmm. you still want to give them practice to sleep on their own. Especially for naps. We're not we're not talking about holding your babies for bedtime. We're talking about yeah. for, for your naps. Please don't sleep <laughs> on the couch standing up. That's yeah. bad for you. We're de- for yeah, we're definitely not talking about bedtime. Um, we're talking about more for naps, that yeah. you can hold them as much as you want. Um, but you also want to give them time to practice sleeping on their own for naps mm-hmm. because eventually... Um, they're going to drop in naps. They're going to have longer, prolonged naps, and you don't want to be holding them for an hour and a half. We're moms and busy and have so much to do. Um, and, and also, like, if, if your baby is going to daycare or some other program, they're not going to be able to hold your baby like that, you know? So give them the practice, at least, you know, one to two naps a day yeah. of sleeping on their own. Lastly, the dream feed. That was my favorite. So sometimes babies do need... That, or how you feel like they need your breast to go to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. And that's their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they wake up and they get hungry and they want to do that again. So mm-hmm. if you want to prolong that period of time where they're asleep and mm-hmm. kind of start teaching them to be weaned off from, like, having to be waking up every so often, mm-hmm. uh, what helps is the dream feed. Yeah. And I did this with Millie, and it was it worked for us great. Mm-hmm. Like, it was great. It worked for me having to set um, kind of a boundary between this is a time where I'm done with my mom duties for now and then Victor could take over if she did wake up Mm -hmm. and then it helped us to uh, give her that routine of like okay you know now she can sleep with just a little push longer and then the next day would be a push even longer so the dream feed basically is you put your baby to sleep you you give her your the bedtime bottle whatever the normal routine is for you um, and then about an hour and a half to about two hours in, right before you actually have to feed your baby at the three-hour mark, mm-hmm. you come in, you um, you can unswaddle your baby if you want to, or you can keep them swaddled, you'll go ahead and feed them. Or, mm-hmm. So whether it's nurse them or bottle feed them, and they're still groggy, mm-hmm. um, they're not completely asleep, so you want to make sure that your baby's not completely asleep and that you're forcing them to open their mouth or forcing yeah. you know, uh, milk down. But they're a little groggy, and they'll take it. Yeah. And as you kind of wake them up. Yeah, you kind of wake them up a little bit, but they're still kind of groggy. And as soon as you notice that they're done, they're no longer sucking, Mm -hmm. um, or they've opened their mouth and kind of moved away, Mm -hmm. that's the time that you you set them back down. Yeah. And they'll stay 
like with Millie, at least personally, she stayed down way longer when I would yeah. do that. And it's you do that normally right before you're about to go to sleep. Yeah, so it gives you a bigger stretch. Just yes. Like, yeah. um, I don't know. Some people, maybe when you get older, when the babies get older, but some people will go straight to sleep after putting their baby down. Mm-hmm. I would have like tons of things to do, like bottles to wash yeah. and pump. And so I still had to be asleep maybe two to three hours later. Yeah. So I think it worked perfect for us because yeah. right after I did the dream feed, it would be my bedtime. Yeah. And I got the seven to eight hour stretch. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually oh, it, did, it did go to being yeah. a 12 hour stretch. And I drank that million until she was four so months. I'm a, if I have another one, I'm about to. I, I'm going to have to try that because I, I was always afraid of drinking. I knew about it, yeah. but, like, I was, like, I don't want to interrupt her and I don't want to wake her up or, like, both of them. I never did the drinking, but I, I feel like I did miss out on that mm-hmm. because I always complain about losing my sleep, yeah. so yeah. I should try that. And um, you don't necessarily have you because a lot of the times uh, whenever you are waking up your baby in the middle of the night, you kind of check the diaper see if it's wet and change that. With the dream feed, you don't really want to do that. So if there mm-hmm. is, you know, you put them to sleep, and then the time, the next time they wake up, that's that's how long you're gonna go uh, changing the diaper, unless they are completely soiled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. then at that time you would kind of add that to the routine for a dream feed, but okay. it's not needed. So. I, I, I'm gonna have to. Oh, Honestly, that's what I miss. The dream the feed. Really? Because, because she was just like, a so sick, cute. Yeah, like, yeah. Asleep, she was in like crying. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> well, as a desperate mom needing some sleep, what did you what did you do? Mm. Like, what was the thing that helped you out the most, I guess? Definitely dream feed the swaddle. Mm-hmm. Because we did try to go the route where um, at the hospital the nurses know how to wrap those babies like mm-hmm. it was like so perfect mm-hmm. and Victor was really trying to perfect that for a while but it wasn't until a couple weeks in that we were like fine let's use this water that you know that somebody gave us mm-hmm. and in that it, and it did help. And yeah. then with us, we did have to try multiple swaddles mm-hmm. because Millie was a like, magician. Yeah, she's just she's getting out of all of them. <laughs> but it does help them stay asleep longer because they don't have that sort of reflex keep, yeah. that keeps waking them up. Yeah, for sure. Swaddles for me, oh my gosh, so, so important. Um, the white noise, dark room. So I want to talk about the routines that we had for our newborns. Um, this is when I talk about like how sweet it was because um, is this uh, okay? So what, let me talk about the bedtime routine. So um, what we would do is we didn't give her a bath every single day, but on the times that we gave her a bath, we did a little bath, um, lotion, um, uh, read a book, swaddle, not swaddle, do the bottle. I'm trying to even remember. It's like three years ago. Do the bottle and then swaddle and then rock a little bit and put her down to sleep. So routines are really good at helping babies know it's time to go to sleep. You know, it's time and they, they kind of get used yeah. to it and know what's coming. For the mid, for the middle of the night, if she would wake up, um, I would get I would get her. I would check her diaper first before feeding her. Um, because this would help her wake up a little bit enough to where she would eat mm-hmm. and not like go straight back to sleep with a little bit of milk and have her wake up an hour later, you know? So changing her diaper was really helpful to get her to wake up um, and then bundle her back up and then feed her and then put her back up. I I, I was always the type of person that I did everything on the bed. I didn't even get off the bed. I had the little halo bassinet. And um, I never really, as newborns, to, like, 
maybe four to five months, I never really brought them. I I did the feeding and then I would just pat their backs a little bit. But I feel like helping not to rock at that age was helpful to like not to them crave that as they got older, yeah. you know. So that was it. That was one thing I did. And I think our routines in the middle of the night was less than five to ten minutes, and they would go right back down. Yeah. And I know we're talking a lot about newborns, but I remember um, I did sway mentally standing mm-hmm. a lot because I was not the, I'm going to sit in the bed. I don't know if it was really uncomfortable for me, mm-hmm. but I, I would go to the rocker and I would do everything in the living room. Mm-hmm. And I do have to undress Millie and take her to feed. Oh, Millie was a sleeper. She's like you. Yeah, she deep sleeps. She's like, she's like you. to get up. Even now. You had to wake her for a long time, yeah. She would be up like 45 minutes to an hour just to to, to, to do feeding time routine at night and yeah. then put her back. I mean, putting her back down wasn't the hard part at the beginning because she was already asleep Yeah, by the middle of her feet. But, um, yeah, so always like our routine was like going to sleep would be the same, you know, pajamas, lotion, diaper, read a book, swaddle, mm-hmm. bottle, go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in the middle of the night, it was a, lot, a lot of it had to be swaying her back mm-hmm. down because she did fall asleep very closely to me. And then the moment I, I feel like I laid her down, yeah. she'd be like, hey, mom, I'm yeah. ready to get this. So, yeah. yeah. I, and I wouldn't, I don't think that Millie has a dependency on the rocking, though. Yeah. Because now, especially she when she's ready to go to sleep, and I go sit in the rocker, she doesn't want me to. So she, yeah. she wants me to lay her in bed, she'll and then she'll go to sleep. Sweet girl. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, so I, I think when you talked about making sure that you establish routines right now, they don't understand it at this time, but it also helps transition as they get older. Yeah. Because they know that this is a familiar feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my mom putting these really soft pajamas on me or now that I hear my mom's soothing voice reading me a book, mm-hmm. as I get older, they know that those are familiar spots yep. in their time. Yep. Routines are so important. Moving on to three to four months, um, we want to introduce a few things that we uh, that were helpful for us. Um, their sleep schedule definitely changes, so it's no longer like just you know wake up like following their lead. You yeah. actually do want to implement a little bit of a schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll be helpful for them to sleep better at night. Yes. Uh, you want to do majority of the things during the day um, so that they can sleep well and that you can sleep well. So one thing that we did um, that I learned about that I didn't know about, um, we wish we knew, uh, <laughs> is the e play sleep schedule. So when they wake up in the morning, feed them. I mean, you change their diapers, of course, and all that. But you want to make sure that they eat. And then you want to have their play time, and then you want to go straight to sleep. You don't want to feed them before they go to sleep. Um, this is what we did, and it was it was helpful for us because uh, Maya was bottle fed, um, Juliet nursed, but it, it helped um, them to go down to sleep quickly without needing or being dependent on eating to sleep. Yeah. Um, which I understand that some people would rather feed to sleep, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some negatives to doing that, um, which includes, like, if you are feeding them to sleep or they have a bottle while they're going to sleep, you are more prone to ear infections. Mm-hmm. Like, there's different things that can happen. They're more um, they're more susceptible to be, uh, to, 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 for it to be harder to wean them off of bottles. Don't, de- don't depend on that bottle to be every single time mm-hmm. you go to sleep yeah. versus like, hey, I'm eating to, to 
Because I'm hungry. Yeah, because it's time to eat. Yeah. So, um, I mean, of course, do it however you want, but this is what helped us. Um, I felt like doing this schedule this way was made um, putting them down uh, stress free Mm -hmm. and fight free. They never, my kids never really fought me to sleep. Because they were so tired. Yeah. I remember Lily, too, just, like, being ready after playtime, mm-hmm. being ready to sleep. There yeah. was nothing that could hold her back from that. This yeah. is, like, at least for me, personally, if I would have given her that bottle, mm-hmm. I feel like she would instead look for that the next time she was ready yeah. to sleep, even though she could be just as tired. Yeah. And, no. But, but, but also, like, but also like in the, they would, if they would wake up early for whatever reason, they'd be looking for the bottle to put yeah. it back we down. knew that yeah. she, they were ready to get up for Specifically to, to eat, eat and yeah. start mm-hmm. their, their next routine. So. Yep. And then um, uh, sunlight during wake windows. So we talked a lot about this during newborns, but we want to make sure that we keep implementing this as they get older. So uh, make sure that you take them to play in a mm-hmm. you know lit area, maybe by a window, so that they can get that you know extra sunlight. Taking them outside. This is mm-hmm. the time where I remember carrying carrying Lily a lot more. In, walking up and down the street mm-hmm. and so that she's awake and seeing the outside and feeling the outside and then that's also like a sensorial experience mm-hmm. for them and then getting ready to go back inside and it getting a little darker for them yeah knowing that they're about to go to sleep yes so, uh starting a routine for bed and night nighttime routine so if you haven't already in the newborn stage mm-hmm. you're wanting to really get one down now so if you are going to implement reading time that reading time is going to be you have to do it. I wouldn't say like every single time. There's times where you're just like stressed, stressed out. You're like, we're ready. I'm down. Yeah. Forget the book. Mm-hmm. But in the order of like diaper first, mm-hmm. lotion next, pajamas, swaddle, and she's feeling that transition, making it easier for them yeah. to to not fight you. Pretty yeah. Much. Yeah. Because yeah. especially at this time, their awake windows are so much larger considering like the fact that they go to sleep on your boob like two (laughs) seconds later now they really do need to be kind of stimulated yeah and they do need to be told okay it is you gotta get ready for bedtime yeah yeah Yeah. and then during this time you do want to start doing uh what they call wake windows Mm -hmm. and i did not know about these before i had a baby no one told me about these (laughs) like and, and i'm sure like before, I guess, I don't know if this has become popular or if I was just clueless. Yeah. Did, did people know about this before yeah. I became a mom? Like, what happened here? Um, but yeah, I just found some stuff on like Instagram and searching, like, you know, things that could help me. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of different ranges that people will give, but they're basically around the same. Um, I followed uh, Taking Care of Babies a lot, but there's a lot of uh, different. Um, help out there and, and people who have been doing this a very long time yeah. um so some of the wake windows as a newborn like we said it's enough for a diaper change eating going back to sleep mm-hmm. um starting around four four to twelve weeks um their wake windows are 60 to 90 minutes what this means is from the time they wake up to the time that they go back to sleep they're ready to sleep within 60 to 90 minutes yeah. and always read your baby that's why there's a range because every baby is different so look for those cues so that's when the, these cues are important because not every baby is going to be 60 minutes yeah you within, know? within that range because i think that i mm-hmm. had the hard time of with that of like okay but it says 60 minutes max and i'm like millie was ready at 45 minutes and it was or 40 minutes you know mm-hmm. and sometimes i'd be like can we push it a little 15 mm-hmm. more but i quickly 
you come to realize that it's within the range, mm -hmm. but not necessarily always the mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So four to twelve weeks is sixty to ninety minutes. Uh, three to four months, they start to stretch that out to seventy-five minutes to about two hours. Yeah. Uh, five to seven months, it's uh, two to three hours, and then eleven to fourteen months, three to four hours, and then fourteen to twenty-four months, four to six hours. So. Uh, when we talk about wake windows, we want to make sure that you are using this time to play with them, to stimulate them, mm -hmm. to um, help them develop, you know, their get their, to their milestones, their mm -hmm. skills. Um, so you want to make use of this time so that they are nice and tidy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of see this a lot where um, parents, the baby's ready to wake up, they feed them, they put them down to play, and the baby falls asleep at playtime. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean the baby was ready to yeah. go to sleep at bedtime. It just needs that they need a little more motivation to yeah. play because they do need more stimulation at this yeah. time. They do need to learn a little more about what something sounds like and what, what you can hear and maybe mm -hmm. more touching so that they're not as complacent as, like, I can be laid down anywhere mm -hmm. and do nothing. You yeah. know, they do need a little more motivation, yeah. so you do have to be more present and, um, you know, some sounds or mm -hmm. something that, that they can play with or that they can watch or stare at. at yes. And uh, during this time, um, blackout curtains, I feel like, helped us out the most mm -hmm. um, because they are becoming a lot more aware of things. Mm -hmm. And um, when the light starts to seep in, um, they're, they're prone to waking up a little bit yeah. easier. But I will say... Um, <laughs> Is also controversial. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you know people are like, you are making them like, this is the only time they can sleep, you know. Yeah. But I mean, it, it just depends on you, who you are, what you got going on in your life. If you're working, not working, you know. I think the baby will adjust to whatever light you do put them into sleep. Mm -hmm. But I think me and you realize really early on that it's so much easier yeah. that they know it is a dark place yeah. because of the confusion, you yeah. know, and we want to keep it, um, we want to keep it straight yeah. and we want to make sure the babies know when we were walking outside and looking at the sun, it was time to play, but we're coming back inside yeah. in, a, in a darker room yeah. and it's, and it does calm them knowing mm -hmm. that it, we're ready. There's no overstimulation. There's no big bright light mm -hmm. in their face. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they can still, you can still have your outings. They will still fall asleep in the car. They yeah. will still fall asleep if you wear them and yeah. it's their nighttime, nap time. Yeah. Um, but it's just something helpful for them to get more restful sleep. If you know you're going to be home and you have nothing to do or um, it's it's in your schedule, you yeah. can still do that. Um, so it just depends on who you are and if that's what you want. But I honestly, with Maya, we had she had to have pristine conditions, my yeah. little <laughs> first baby. Um, and so with Juliet, I really tried my hardest to have her go to sleep in different conditions because I was like, now that I have, you know, a two-year-old and um, she's a little bit loud and, you know, we're doing more things, I don't want to be confined mm -hmm. and she still wouldn't sleep. Yeah. And she needed that. And she space. needed that space. Yeah. So I, I had to, yeah. I had to change yeah. because she would not sleep. Yeah. And I had the same thing. I, my room is just literally, like, the brightest mm -hmm. spot in the entire world. And so I remember, like, how am I going to put my I wouldn't even sleep in that room. Like, yeah. I'm so bright. Yeah. You know? So I very easily, I was down to black out everything and yeah. put the, you know, blankets over the curtains and stuff to make it dark. And she's still a good sleeper. She will sleep in the car. 
I don't have to like darken the car seat. Mm -hmm. If if we're out, if we used to be in the park and it was ready, you know, Millie's uh, nap time, she we, the the soothing motion of the stroller would put her down to sleep just as easy. Um, if I was wearing her and it was time for her nap, she would go down. So yeah. I don't think that I'd ever made it to where she needed it to be super dark unless we were uh, just you know inside a house. Yeah, um, it's just easier. It's much easier. about starting at around four months when they get to their sleep progressions oh my gosh i think i feel like i knew about sleep progressions um before having maya but i didn't know like what to expect yeah you know or like what to do to help yeah i think millie was going through a sleep progression and i didn't really notice until towards the end of her sleep progression because i was oh. like why does this keep Why happening? Why does it keep happening? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't, it's not very, like, the same for everybody. It's not yeah. like a common cold and you have all these symptoms and that's why you have a common cold. Yeah. A sleep regression looks different for everybody. Yeah, for every baby. and um, But every baby does go through the four-month sleep regression in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And what happens at the four-month sleep regression is that they are transitioning from, like, the newborn baby sleep cycle to a more adult-based cycle. So the way that they go in and out of light sleep and deep sleep is different once they hit four months. So um, they start to have um, more sleep cycles than they did before. And when this happens, they actually will wake up more often because they're trying to get used to this change that's happening, you know, to their sleep pattern. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really hard um, when you're, you're suddenly, you're used to this long amount of stretch of sleep. Mm -hmm. And then you get to, bam, a four-month sleep regression. And you're waking up every one or two hours. I was going to say, normally what they're, whenever they do wake up, it's not like that they wake up and they're ready to play. Normally mm -hmm. they, they would ideally go back to sleep from mm -hmm. that awake cycle. But what happens is that they notice that they're not maybe in the same spot that you yeah. left them. Mm -hmm. Or something's just not the right, like the right way. Yeah. And so they do get a little upset about that. Yeah, or how they fell asleep. Like if they fell asleep at your yeah. boob and then you put them down from your sleep yeah. and they wake up and guess what? Boob or pacifier even is no longer there. Yes. They're like looking for it. So um, just the way to get through it is to continue doing your best at keeping your routine the same. Um, making sure you're not, you know, turning on the lights and making the sounds and just trying to get them to get back into that sleep. But They'll, they'll learn. It just takes longer for some babies, and some babies get through it really quickly. I think the, the biggest issue that we have sometimes with the sleep regression is that we do think, oh, it's time to feed. Yeah. And, and, they, and then now you're feeding them every 45 minutes. And yeah. That's definitely not true. At, yeah. at one point, it's like maybe the first time they woke up, you want to check to see if they are hungry and if that's what they want, uh, you know, time to, to eat or to drink their milk. But the second or third or fourth time after they've done that 45 minutes, you yeah. kind of know that they're not hungry. Yeah. That's not the problem. Yeah, and if you keep feeding them down to sleep, they're going to keep doing that because that's how you're putting them to sleep. Yeah, exactly. So try to find other ways, mm -hmm. pat, patting their back, um, shushing, and um, there's different things that you can do. And um, there's a lot of people out there, um, Pages, that have helped along the way. And um, we actually took a little course on that, um, on, on uh, what to do. And anyways, but that was a lot of money. But just try, the main po point is to ki try to keep your same routine going and not introduce new things during that time. They will pass. They yeah. will learn how to get through it. I think that's the most important part is to remember that you, there's things that you can do to make it better, but you can't 
you won't be able to avoid that entire regression. Like, if that's, it's something that they, they do both ways, that's completely normal. Yeah, perfect. And then um, always make, remember, um, as they get older, that you're wanting them to get all their nutrition during the day. Mm-hmm. This is a big thing for why babies wake up at night, mm-hmm. because they reverse cycle, which that means that they're getting all their calories at night. So they're waking up every two to three hours to eat. And then during the day, they're not hungry. So if you're if you're trying to push those calories during the day, they're less likely to wake up at night to eat. So never divide your bottles if you are when the baby is bottle fed. Never divide your bottles within the twenty four hour period, but within mm-hmm. the twelve hour period. Yeah, whatever it is. yeah. As for as much as they can tolerate. Some babies really can't tolerate more than three ounces at a time. Yeah. Some babies can do up to six, and you just do the six ounces uh, four times a day during the day, and yeah. that's their nutrition for the day. So. Yeah. Um, and just quickly, some products that helped us at this stage were transitioning out of the sleep sacks. We used Mer- the Merlin Magic Soup, mm-hmm. which really helped Millie because she still seemed to have that startle reflex that woke her up. With mm-hmm. the sleep sack, she was able to kind of move and muffle the movement so that she doesn't completely wake up when yeah. she was trying to position herself. Yeah, the Zippity, we use the Zippity a lot, a lot. That one helps too. It's so cute. It looks like they got little starfish, little orange. We used to call Maya the starfish. Um, and she, then she started calling Juliet the starfish. Oh, it was so cute. cute. Starfish? That's how she would say it. Um, but the reason that we transition into these products was because at, during this time, and even sooner sometimes, they start to roll. Mm-hmm. And once they start to roll, you do not want to put them in a swaddled up arms tied down. Because that will, they will still roll with the swaddle on, and then mm-hmm. now they won't have the ability roll themselves back. Yeah, or even pick their, face their faces up, up with their hands if they need to. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to quickly keep moving through toward to, to the older months. Um, most of it stays the same. Mm-hmm. The only thing that really changes is their awake windows. Mm-hmm. They become longer. Uh, this is where you start feeling more exhausted during the day because you realize that now I have to uh, entertain my child yeah. a little more. Yeah. Um, and so but everything else pretty much stays the same. You want to keep your routines. You want to keep the nutrition going. Um, one thing that's helpful around six months is to introduce, um, if you are using a PASI, is to put more PASIs in their crib at night so where they can find the PASI. Mm-hmm. And we did this with Maya. We would put five or six PASIs in her crib. She would wake up at night, find a PASI, pop it in, and go back to sleep on her own. That was amazing. And I wasn't very consistent with that, but um, I did notice that Millie would look for Passy, and so I know the passy kept helped her because it was mm-hmm. still around the area that she was looking for, and she could kind of feel along the line of the passy clip, mm-hmm. and then she finally put it back on. And at at that moment, you now you know you're looking at her in the monitor. It's like okay, she's awake. Uh-huh. Like when she finds a passy, she'll go back. To she'll back. Yep, yep. Yeah. That was very helpful. Juliet never took a passy, and mm-hmm. she never really took a bottle. So I think we had talked about it in the first episode how yeah. Juliet doesn't really sleep, but. Um, or not not that she doesn't sleep, she still wakes up. Um, but I also think it's probably because she doesn't have a way to self-soothe. Mm-hmm. And so, because she won't take it. But So, like we were saying earlier, Jennifer Mom and Cassie. But, um, and then they do have a second sleep regression around eight to nine months. Yeah. I don't think that one's just, it's not as, like, prominent mm-hmm. with the baby. I think that the same transition happens, but um, it's... You know, as long as they have a routine in place, mm-hmm. they have their passy, they're able to kind of soothe themselves back to sleep. They're not waking up as often. Yeah. I would say that at least with Millie, um, she didn't wake up. The the four month regression was like every forty five minutes. With the eight month regression, I think she would wake up maybe twice a night. Oh, towards Millie with the sleeper. Nice. So twice a night, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 no, when Juliet went through this one, she was waking up every hour to two oh, hours. So yours was a while. 
It was it was it was pretty bad. But you know, because she to breaking up twice a night was like amazing for them. Yeah, right. Yeah. So for the regression it was like a lot. But the reason that they start to go through this this regression too is because they're learning new skills during the day. Mm-hmm. And they might be learning how to crawl, they might just learn how to sit up on their own, pull up. And so they, they want to try to practice these at night. So a good way to get past this regression is to make sure that they get enough of that practice during the day. Yes. So that, you know. So I know a lot of people do transition out of the swaddle and then completely don't use any other types of materials like the sleep sack. And so this is a time where you'll kind of see that happen yeah. a lot more because, like, again, the baby is um, learning to crawl, not learning to crawl, but to kind of, like, move around. And mm-hmm. so that this is what the, like, they'll be doing in the crib is kind of, like, scooting forward and, That'll wake them up because at one point they realize, okay, I am tired and try to play when I'm really tired and upset. And um, also you'll see separation anxiety happen a lot more. So when they become aware of, oh, I'm not with my parents, it's, you know, they're in a separate bed. Um, When they wake up, it's like, it's prominent to them that they're separated from me, you know. So all of the regressions, just keep keep, keep doing your routine as best as you can. Um, don't give in to getting up every time um, that you hear a little whine. A lot, if you, a lot of times, if you give it a few minutes, they'll go back to sleep on their own. If you're answering their cries like right away, mm-hmm. even um, and I'm not saying like if they're full blown crying to yeah. you know, but if they're whining, if they're a little bit fussy and they're tossing and turning and they get quiet and they fuss again, then they're probably trying to put themselves back to sleep, or at least they're not fully awake to where they need you. A lot of times they will go back to sleep on their own. Yeah, if you you know if you use monitors, you can kind of always mm-hmm. tell look at the baby's eyes are still closed. You're like, okay, yeah, she's she's trying. Yeah, and I'm gonna give her that space to do it before I walk in and completely wake her up. Because yeah. I've done that in the past where I'm like super sleepy, and the natural thing that I do is just get up and go grab yeah. her, and she was still asleep, mm-hmm. but now I've completely waking her up. And yeah, her up. yeah, and uh, I I used to do that too, where I'm like. It's just so much easier to just go put her bed down. You know what I mean? Than to give her some time. But that helps them Mm -hmm. learn how to do it. But in a gentle way, I guess. Um, And then around 12 months, they start to um, drop naps. I think around eight months, they drop naps. um, Down to two two naps. But um, just keep doing the same thing. The sleep routine. um, They start to sleep much longer periods of time. Um, they definitely want the uh, routines and the repetition of what you're doing during the day and at night. And um, eat, clean, eat, eat, play, sleep throughout all this is my advice. Yeah, I think that with the dropping of the naps, that's when their sleep does consolidate and their naps do feel longer because it really wasn't the best nap forever. Their naps were always like 30 minutes, 45 mm-hmm. minutes an hour. Yeah. Now, whenever we drop the nap to two, it would be maybe two hours, yeah. two and a half hours. But also, now their awake window is longer, and so you do have to do a lot more to establish, hey, I'm tired, and I'm ready to go to sleep. Yep. Okay. Man. Oh, such a hard topic for me. <laughs> you might want some, but our baby needs it. The baby's always priority, especially in the first year. Yeah. Um, I think he, I they say, like, he lose like, what, how many years of sleep throughout the first year of your baby's life? I don't even know. The amount of it is, like, ridiculous. So. Yeah. It's hard. hard. It's one of the things that um, makes, you know, postpartum depression and anxiety worse. Mm-hmm. Um, you feel like, what am I doing wrong in a lot of cases? Um, and then you start hearing, like, you need to sleep to another baby, or you need to let them fight out. And it's like, you kind of wrestle with what you need to do. 
Um, and like we've said, always follow your gut. Personally, I'm not the leave them to cry it completely out kind of person, but I'm also not, you shouldn't go in right away, yeah. you know? So just whatever works for you. Yeah, and I think this is also to say, like, if you do decide that you want to sleep train your baby, I think that, you know, people always say you can't um, serve others if you feel like your energy is low. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to take care of yourself first. Mm-hmm. So if this is something that's going to help you and your mental health, to be bet, you know the best mom you can be for your baby, then you definitely want to make sure that you do and do that. And then yeah. that sleep training, I think that's okay. Yeah, that's what that was me with Maya. Um, we I think we started not really sleep training, but we did do like a real gentle way mm-hmm. of doing it. Um, I'm always I always have in the back of my mind when people like you know criticize things because I'm like okay I did it I I feel good that we did because Maya sleeps really well now um, and we did feel more restful with Maya um, but I'm just like oh my gosh when people I didn't really sleep train her to like let her cry out but mm-hmm. we did give her those minutes of it's it's time for you to know it's time to go to sleep you know what I mean so we did do that with Maya with Juliet not so much because um, she was nurse breastfed and so it was just felt like a whole different Maya was bottle fed it felt like a whole different thing for me I, I understand that because Millie was bottle fed, so I knew that if she did wake up in the middle of the night, I know it wasn't because she was hungry because yeah, she had met yeah. her calories for yeah, the day. Yeah. So sometimes they do need you, and it is okay to go every single time and meet that need of like, hey, mama's right here. Just give her that reminder. But yeah. it does become to be a lot, and I think it is okay if you choose to yeah. kind of wait out a little bit, you yeah. know, because they, they also do need to learn oh and establish yeah. that, you know, yeah. they have the ability to do it. You just kind of try to remind them yeah that. and their their mood changes too during the day if they get restful sleep so yeah. all right it's time for our mom guilt segment and Fun since part. yeah since we're talking about sleep struggle as much as yeah. they are and so that kind of makes me feel a little guilty for feeling like 
I don't know how to help or to at least to be like empathize and be yeah. like, oh yeah, I completely understand you at this time. But I feel like also like I know you feel guilty because a lot of people struggle, but I have it comes down to the temperament of the baby and how they are too. You know, like you can't change certain things about them. Mm-hmm. To even if you do everything textbook right, that doesn't mean that they're gonna sleep through the night at four weeks old. You or, know, or that I can tell you to use this or use that or mm-hmm. try this or try that, but your baby may not. Yeah, be feeling to you know doing to do that. Yeah. So I think with Millie it was kind of the same way. You helped me a lot, and there was a lot of things that you mentioned, but some of that stuff didn't stick with Millie either, yeah. you know, because she was just not needing of that, or, yeah. or this wasn't the way to go for yeah. her, so, um, but yeah, I mean, in a, an ideal world, she she was kind of sleeping a lot mm-hmm. compared to other babies, but as I said, she's not exempt yeah. from all the stuff. Yeah, you still have the regressions, and she would text me sometimes, like, oh my god, Millie woke up last night one time, <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> And the problem is though that I'm going that that's my mm-hmm. life. So one wake yeah. up when it's like a random wake up is still a, and, a one yeah, wake up. Yeah, that's versus, what I would tell you too. Is like you are used to sleeping mm-hmm. solid hours, mm-hmm. and so when she does wake you up, you do feel is tired. It, yeah, it's no, like, I don't know how Melissa does that. She has to drive mm-hmm. after being awake for so long. I'm like. I work from home. And, and when you wake when you run on E for so long, you're used to it. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, so my mom guilt is the opposite of that. Is that um, that my baby doesn't sleep at night? I have like a more normal baby. Because <laughs> Millie is like amazing. Um, but no, Maya did pretty well after about nine months. Mm-hmm. Juliet still wakes up once or two times a night. And they are such different babies in terms of, like, what they did. And so Maya was bottle-fed with my breast milk, and Juliet was nursed. She never really took a bottle, so Jonathan couldn't even help me out at night, you know? Um, We tried because Jonathan absolutely loved his time with Maya at night. Like, that has been always one of his favorites. He bonded really well with her during those times of bottle feeding at night. And so he didn't get that with Juliet, and he I know that he missed that with her, you know. Yeah. But Juliet never wanted a bottle. Nothing we can do about that, you know. So a lot of it fell on me, um, and he very much enjoyed that. He's like, wait, <laughs> was, was I really complaining about this now that I'm catching some things? I know, but he, he definitely uh, still loses sleep for, you know, other yeah. things. But, um, yeah, no, Juliet, I think, I feel like I always – gave in to going and um, getting her from bed because she was nursed and I had so many insecurities about, is she eating enough during the day? Yeah. Does she get enough milk for me during the day? How do I know that she's getting all the calories she needs during the day? I'm, give, I'm doing all that I can to push it on her, mm-hmm. to do that at least every three hours. But if she's still waking her up at night, maybe she is really still hungry, mm-hmm. you know? And sometimes I would do things to kind of test that, like only offer one side. And if I took her, if I only offered one side, she was not going back to sleep. Right. She wanted her complete feeding, you know. Um, or, you know, go in there and just try to put her back down without it. Mm-hmm. No, it's just not happening, you know. And so I, I always felt like, and I still do, and she's 14 months, and she definitely should not be waking up to eat at night. Like, she's eating solids and all of that, but she still can't sleep. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep following her lead, um, but yeah, that's my mom guilt. It's like I feel like I am not getting her the rest that she needs, you know, because 
issues to address in that. Yeah. And so I've gotten kind of a comment of like, well, she said she could sleep or why do you stress out? Because I still stress out. My anxiety is still pretty high. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it is unlogical for me to have such a big anxiety about sleep, especially when maybe can go down and sleep for so long. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just because I want it to be a productive sleep sesh. Yeah. You know, I don't want her to sleep to be disturbed. Yeah. Because I do see with, with Lily's temperament mm -hmm. is that she doesn't have a good sleep. She will be cranky during yeah. the day. And I would rather deal with um, the comments. The, yeah, with the comments <laughs> that then have Millie wake up really happy and screaming ready yeah. to play and have like a really productive day than to deal with like Millie, you know, being a good sleeper but still trying to fall yeah. asleep in a not a so great environment and then be cranky for the rest of the day. For so. sure, for sure. And let me tell you real quick, since we talked about today, me and Millie's partying and we're over here and <laughs> we were talking about like, what am I going to do for Julia to go to sleep? Well, guess what happened? Mm -hmm. She got overtired and we were, we were recording. We had to stop recording midway because my husband wasn't able to put her down. She wanted to nurse. She wasn't going to sleep. By the time I got over there, she was screaming. So she was definitely past the you know those yeah. sleepy cues. She was at that overtired phase, and she still has Biggie still has those cues even at fourteen yeah. months. Yeah, yeah, she was still screaming and yeah, she still has those wake windows. It's like everything that we've been talking about yeah. to to do for your baby to get them to sleep. We didn't do for Julia today, mm -hmm. and it was so apparent why that was. Yeah. It took her so long to go down. She was fighting it. Oh my gosh. So, and it's, I mean, we don't do that all the time. So, I mean, you have to live life too, but this is just kind of goes to show that everything that we've been trying to do to give her good sleep mm -hmm. is, is what has been right for her, yeah. you know, yeah. because we wouldn't want her acting like this every single time, you know? So yeah, that's, that's, that's a cool little tidbit. Not cool because my poor baby was, yeah. was overtired, but she went down eventually. Yeah. Took, took her a little so bit. So they're taking naps now. Yeah. And then we're recording. Mm -hmm. like joining us we're um so excited to keep recording and talking to you guys and sharing all about us and so um hopefully you guys keep coming back yeah make sure you subscribe to our podcast subscribe to our youtube channel and then follow us on ig yeah. once with that time see you next time we want you guys to be a part of the conversation by listening in, joining us on Instagram and Facebook at Moms Without Time, and be sure to send us a DM if you have any thoughts or questions. Head over to our website, momswithouttime.com, for more info and our everyday resources. Moms Without Time podcast. It's all too much and not enough at the same time. Hello and welcome to Moms Without Time podcast, a show where two moms share their own experiences, thoughts, ideas, and tips on all things being a mom. I'm Melissa, mom of two beautiful girls. And I'm Monica, mama of one. Come listen in and be part of our conversation where we discuss the hard stuff, the fun stuff, and the not-so-talked-about stuff. Motherhood is a tremendously rewarding and beautiful journey and we want to share it with you. So don't stop what you're doing, just pop those headphones in, get ready to pick up some toys, wash bottles, or start your pump sesh. Whatever you choose, be part of the conversation by listening in, joining us on Instagram and Facebook at Moms Without Time. Be sure to send us a DM if you have any thoughts or questions, and head over to our website, momswithouttime.com, for more information and our everyday resources.